0: For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Who is there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate 11 dollars a month to Tunnel to Towers at t2t.org. That's t, the number 2 t.org. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What look, and I get that. The holster's not the Don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWretention.com. That's NWretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It's going to be such a good day. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday on The Jesse Kelly Show. And man, you people are insane. And it's awesome. I have to answer questions today about how the national divorce works. Some lady secretly has a lot of cash her husband doesn't know about. (laughs) Why I don't want to write a book. We have unicorns fighting dragons. It is... uh, It's an insane ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Don't raise your hands at me, Chris. I didn't come up with the questions. This is up to the people. This is up to the people. It's my job as the Shogun to lead people through what has been a long week. It's just dragging on sometimes now. This is see, this is what happens during when you get a Democrat elected. Especially now with these crazy Democrats. It's not like the Bill Clinton years where you're going to have a bunch of stuff you disagree with them on. But there's going to be some things that aren't that bad and a minor disagreement. Now, because they're all communists, everything sucks. (laughs) All the political news is terrible. And so I'm combing through it with you. I I see your emails. I I hear you. I'm going through it with you, and every day it's just something awful. It makes Ask Dr. Jesse Friday that much more important. We just, we're not carrying a heavy load today. I'll be honest, for the first time ever on the show, my history story, uh, while interesting, is completely light. There's not even any death. It's just going to be kind of a wild goofball story from history. And then we're going to get to your 18 trillion questions. And you can still call live during the show if you want, by the way. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Let's rewind and get to the history because this is, I don't know, the story is so insane. I I thought when I first heard about it that it wasn't real. Chris, do you know what an emu is? Yeah, an emu is a hideous-looking, flightless bird. It is six feet tall, over a hundred pounds. If you're if you're not driving, this is the portion where I tell you to look it up so you can picture it. But if you can't, or if you're driving, you're doing something. Just know long but power, long, skinny but powerful legs. So, certainly, some feet you wouldn't want to be underneath. A big fluff ball body. Remember, this is a flightless bird, but a big body. A face that is absolutely horrific. You When you do an image search of the emu and you get the face on one, you know, you're looking at eye to eye, that should be in a horror movie. It's looking into my soul. I'm lucky I didn't have nightmares last night, but I don't really have nightmares. Chris, do you have nightmares? I don't have many of them. You know, one of the weird ones I get all the, you know what? I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to finish my EMU story first before I get to my nightmare. I have this weird one that I get now and then. But, all right. It's huge. It's also Australia's national bird. So it's like, I mean, it's it's their, I'm not Australian, so I don't know if it's as important to them, but it's their bald eagle. It's their that. Now let's rewind a bit Back to World War One. World War One was obviously wretched. Wretched. And remember this, because it comes into play, I mean, kind of in our story here. I'm not going to go into any death today, like I said, but... Guys were heading off to World War One. And the Australians, to their credit, in World War One and World War II, fight like lions. Australians are beasts. I know several people today in the special operations community who will tell you the Australian SAS, which is obviously modeled off the British SAS, like their Navy SEALs, are some of the baddest dudes on the planet. They are bad dudes. What? Yes, that's right, Chris. We're going to get to that in a moment. Everything over there is trying to kill you. But they they went off and acquitted themselves very well in World War One. But remember, World War I was horrific for a, a laundry list of reasons, but one of the main ones was you're going off to war as a young man with an idea of combat that is cavalry charges with swords and things like that. That was you know, glory for the queen, something like that. And you're just finding out war's not like that anymore. It's bombs and gas and misery and rats and trench foot. It just, it's terrible. Guys came back from World War I wrecked. And understandably, like most countries, Australia values its veterans, appreciates its veterans. You see it all the time in America. That's not unique to America. People. Appreciate the ones who went and fought for them. And they had to figure out something to do with the veterans when they came back home. Because these guys come back home, and as somebody who has, on a very, very, very low level, we're not talking World War I, I can't function in society anymore, but as someone who has dealt with getting out and not really fitting in society anymore, at least temporarily, I know what it's like, at least a little bit. But these World War II guys were on a different level. You get back. Uh, you know what? I've told you this story before. Here's just a brief little one about me. I got back and got I got back from Iraq, got out of the Marine Corps pretty much right away, start working, just doing construction, going to community college. And I would sit in the back with my hat pulled way down low, just baseball cap pulled down low, so no one would talk to me. And I'm, it's Arizona, so there's even dimes all over the class. And I'm a single dude at the time. I didn't even want to talk to girls. I just really wanted to be left alone. And I would find myself, I know this is a little frank, but look, it's me. I would find myself daydreaming about one of two things often. Somebody, one of the dudes in the class would do something that I would find vaguely annoying, and I would think about dragging him outside and beating the absolute living crap out of him. And I would have these recurring daydreams that the government would hire me to go around the country and kill pedophiles. That is not a healthy place to be. That is not a good place to be. Thankfully, I came out of it. But that's a small idea of what you go through. Now, now, take a World War I veteran who went through way worse stuff than I ever went through. These guys come back and they don't fit. They don't fit oftentimes with their own families, which is heartbreaking. But you come back home to whatever your job was. And I mean, your parents don't recognize you. Your buddies don't recognize you. Your high school sweetheart, she thinks you're a monster now. And that only makes you isolate more. They've got to figure out how to take care of these guys. And we need to pause for a moment and describe Australia as best as I can describe it without ever having been there. Australia is, one, gigantic. It is huge. You look at it as an island, in a big island, but it is like the size of the continental United States of America. It's enormous. The coasts on both sides are pretty, they're, they're nice. They're very nice. You got trees and everything else, you know, and whatnot. They're very nice. And that's where almost everyone in the country lives. The middle of it, not so much. Barren wasteland of deserts and desert mountains, and it's horrible. And I I mean horrible. That's the bush. That's the Australian outback. The veterans come back, and they are given some land. The, the, The government wants to help these veterans out. These guys need a place back in society. And the government says, hey, we'll cut you a deal. You get back from the war. We're, we'll start finding plots of ground to give you. And, you know, you get something out of it and we get something out of it. What's that something they're going to get out of it? Well, I'll tell you in a moment. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. I have a nice little tradition now in my house. Here's what it is. Go home from work, see the wife, see the kids, mess around, get ready for my show the next day, sit down for dinner. And now my kids make fun of me for this. I have two Super Beats heart chews sitting right next to my glass. I usually have a glass of water with dinner, finish up, and that's my dessert every single night. They taste delicious. They're all natural. They're outstanding for my heart and my blood pressure. It is the ultimate replacement for your evening dessert. They do not taste like beets, and I'm trying not to lecture you. It's such an easy step to take care of your heart. It's insane if you don't do it. Go to getsuperbeats.com slash jesse. That's getsuperbeats.com slash jesse. Buy two bags, get the third for free. Some lady has more money than her husband knows about, apparently a lot, and they've been married a long time. We're going to address that in an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. There's an ancient battle we have to put together. Someone wants to know why British accents sound so hot. I'll try not to burst your bubble on the accents, but we'll we'll discuss that here in a few. At first, let's get let's get past as quickly as possible the Emu War. Veterans, World War I veterans coming back to Australia. Australian government saying, hey, we're going to help you out. We're going to give you some land. By the way, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. But the government wanted something out of the land. Remember, wars are taxing on nations, too. Taxing economically, taxing on resources, it's just very tough. The government needed more food. The government wanted these veterans to come back home and grow wheat. They wanted them to come back home and grow wheat so badly, they offered to pay them an extremely generous amount of money, frankly more than market value, for whatever wheat they produced. So they were trying to do the right thing. Come here here's some land, go ahead, learn how to farm, become a farmer, get me some wheat, we'll pay you more than you deserve for that wheat. That's what they told them, and they gave them a set amount. I'm not going to go into the amounts because then you're dealing with foreign currencies and everybody's eyes glaze over and no one knows what you're talking about. I don't know if they were shekels or not, Chris, but we're not going into it. Anyway, the good land, though, goes very early. And the war doesn't end in a month, you remember? They start handing out land, 1914, 1915. Veterans start coming back home. Some of them wounded. Some of them just finished with their combat tour. They're getting this land, and it's going well. But you still have veterans coming home in 1916 and 1917. And the good land is gone. And now you're starting to stick some of these veterans coming back And some of the crappy land nobody even wants to live on. Look, today, nobody wants to live on most of this stuff. It's that bad there. I mean, there are some severely, severely remote parts of Australia. And let's pause there for just a second. Australia is obviously, I'm guessing, thankfully I've never been there, and Lord willing will not ever go. I'm guessing it's what hell looks like. Now, I I understand it's a beautiful land, and honestly the people are great. But... The animals on top of the environment, the environment itself can murder you there. It is a horrible, dangerous desert. The animals, if you look up, look up, you know what, Chris, do this while I'm talking, while I'm discussing everything else, look up the 10 deadliest snakes in the world. The last time I looked and you, you always get different versions of what is deadliest. It's like eight or nine of the 10 are in Australia. You have the dingoes in Australia. You have saltwater crocodiles in Australia, the largest reptile in the world by a large margin. You have bullet ants. Do you know why they call them bullet ants? Because it feels like you've been shot if you get stung by one. They have, and I will caution you, if you're planning on sleeping within the next month, don't look up a picture or a YouTube video of this thing in operation. the, the Sydney funnel web spider. Oh my goodness! It is this gigantic. Th- I have huge hands because I'm six eight. They're bigger than my hand. They have fangs that are the size of my fingers, and you should see how big my fingers are. Just, they just they look. It looks like something prehistoric. And they're under the ground with just what it sounds like, this web that they create in a ditch. and It's just horrible. And that's just a couple of the things on land. We haven't even gotten to the water. And you know what? When we get to the water, imagine this. Imagine a water environment so horrific that a great white shark barely cracks the top 10 on things you're scared of there. And they have huge great white sharks. They have bull sharks. They attack more people than anything else in the world. They have the deadliest thing there. It's called the box jellyfish. Jellyfish, also known as the sea wasp. You'll die within two minutes of brushing up against it. And, oh, by the way, you can hardly see it at all. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Chris is holding up. It's, like, microscopic. They're tiny. And they can get huge, by the way, but they're tiny. They have... A deadly octopus, a blue ring octopus, which are gorgeous if you see them. They're really cool looking. They have a deadly, uh, uh, like, snail. They have, and this might be the one that scares me the most. They have something called the stonefish there. The stonefish is something. Oh, of course, it, it nestles its way into the sand. So you, of course, can't see it. If you step on one, and people do. Here's two things that happen often for people who step on stonefish. The pain is so bad. It's not that it's the poison. Obviously, the poison causes the pain, but the pain is so bad, your body can't function anymore, and you will go into shock and die. Again, I can't stress this enough. Not the poison killing you. The pain is so bad it kills you. Dying from pain. They have people, this is another thing that happens, who step on stonefish. This is the norm. This is a normal thing. When people step on them, they beg the paramedics, please amputate my foot. Cut it off. Have you ever had something hurt so bad you just remove the limb? (laughs) That's Australia. And remember, this was a a penal colony for Britain for so long. Britain landed there. Like the first people who ever landed there landed on the western part which is you know really really bad and that's where our story takes place and they thought oh gosh never mind we're out of here <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't until people started landing in the east which is nicer that they realized this place has some nice stuff back to our story you're giving the veterans crappy parts of Australia now toward its desert and they're struggling trying to get wheat to grow. The environment's brutal. The frost, they'll get random bits of frost and wipe out whole crops. They have a rabbit problem. And I'm not talking about your rabbit problem, where you have two or three who are digging holes in your yard and you're shooting them with pellet guns. Not that I've ever done that kind of thing a thousand times. I mean rabbit hordes, infestations that are destroying entire crops. It's really bad. On top of that, We get to 1929. Now, what happens in the world about 1929? A little something maybe you've heard of before. It's called the Great Depression. That was not a uniquely American thing. That was worldwide. It crushed Europe. It crushed Australia. So the government, on top of having to give these guys some bad land, the government can't give these guys the amount of money they had originally promised them for the wheat. And when I say they can't give them the same amount, just know, because again, I'm not going to break down the currencies for you. They're giving them pennies on the dollar versus what they were promised. Pennies on the dollar. Think if I promised you, for a, do- I promised you a dollar a unit and then gave you five cents a unit. That's the equivalent to what they had. So we have these veterans now. Everyone has a heart for them. They're wiped out. And then, as if life couldn't get more difficult over a you know 15-year t- span, if you're a veteran, veteran, come home, crappy part of Australia, crop won't come in, frost, rabbits, life's hard. You get invaded. The wheat you can grow gets invaded by emus. Not one or two of them. 20,000 of them come in. 20,000. I will wrap up the story and begin with your questions when we get back. A secret retirement account? Yowza! Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. In order to open these doors, we do not say open sesame. We say open Biden. That's our magic word. What? 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 That was Nancy Pelosi yesterday. I, uh, Chris, I want you, Chris, I want you to play it again. And before you do that, I want you to understand you have to make sure you put this on the show Twitter at Jesse Kelly Show. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm on locals. But I want you, if you find time, to go watch the video of this too that is nancy pelosi talking about joe biden the video somehow makes it worse you're like what's she talking about don't ask me don't ask me chris play this again in order to open these doors we do not say open sesame we say open biden that's our magic word and she's doing like this uh uh-huh, like that look on her face it's the two people leading this country are nine thousand years old and not in control of their mental faculties, and we are we are in a great deal of trouble. All right, setting that aside, all right, back to the emu war. These veterans are struggling. The emus are swarming now—twenty thousand of them. And emus are, are foragers; they just they're going to eat whatever they find. Period. A uh, big wheat field—you uh, might as well put out a buffet in front of me. The veterans start doing what veterans do. They grab their weapons, and they start shooting them. But remember, I said there are 20,000 emus, 20,000 of them. The veterans start running out of ammo. Some of them don't even have weapons. A bounty finally gets offered. Somebody please kill these things. They're wiping us out. That can't do it. The veterans appeal to the government and say, hey, do something to help. And in one of the most bizarre choices I've ever heard in my life, the Australian government chooses to get the military involved. We're not talking about adding fencing, maybe getting some wildlife management. Australia is well-versed in wildlife management as we already described. It's a hellscape. Instead, they send... An army unit, A units probably putting it strong, they send three guys, two heavy machine guns with 10,000 rounds. They also send a movie company with the three guys to document the whole thing, which is so bizarre, so beyond bizarre. And when I say bizarre, this is what I mean. It's weird that you would, when you think about today's sensibilities, that you would go out to hunt down and machine gun down a bunch of birds and film it for, to, to, to broadcast it to the company, to the country. Think how much people would freak. But people wanted to know the Australian government was capable of protecting its citizens. And during the Great Depression, something, something real we can take from the show before I get to the Ask Dr. Jesse questions. During the Great Depression, remember this, secession movements... We're gaining steam around the world, including in Australia, because when economies tank to that level, people start to look to their government and say, well, what good are you? The Australian government was actually in some trouble with its own citizens who were all "Uh, fix this now, that kind of thing. So they thought making a film out of this whole thing would Brighten the mood a little bit and, and look what we'll look what we will do. Our veterans were in charge and we sent in the army to help them out. Except that's not that's not how you would hunt an emu in at all. That's just not how you would do it. They encounter some right off the bat. They, of course, pull out the heavy machine guns and start spraying machine gun fire at the emus. The emus simply scatter and they run really fast. You need to think about emus like a mini ostrich. They just turn around and take off and they don't get any of them. Then they run into a group of a thousand of them. Remember, this is all being documented. So this is becoming it's becoming a joke already. You already shot at them and missed them. The Army hasn't done anything. They run into another group of a 1,000. Boom, machine gun jams. They take off again. Now, now this is starting to get to be front page news as things are getting cabled back and forth about this whole thing. They decide they need a new tactic. Clearly mounting the machine guns is not working. Surprise, surprise. They're not Germans. They're not going to charge them. They mount the weapons on vehicles. They start trying to run them down. They're shooting from the vehicles, not not accurately at all. They don't hit any of the emu with actually machine gun fire. They do manage to accidentally drive over one, though, which causes the truck to lose control, and it wrecks the fence of one of the farmers they're there to help. (laughs) Now... You have also caused something else. Every time you're charging them, including this time, the emu are taking off, scared out of their minds. Their brains are like the size of peas. And remember I said those powerful legs they have? They're stomping and, t- and shredding the ground that they were there to protect, that the army was there to protect. These stampedes are hurting things even more. They finally figure out that they how to start killing them. But even that's slow. It takes ten shots per bird to bring one down. There are twenty thousand yemus. You only brought ten thousand rounds. <laughs> it lasts. It lasts a month, and it's just this comical turn of events again and again and again. Where they're trying to get them, they'll get some. They'll start getting like like two hundred and fifty a week. But dumping thousands and thousands of rounds to get that. Now the army's running out of ammunition. The emu population doesn't seem to be whittled down at all. The army is soon recalled. They're recalled. There was a discussion in the government about giving the three guys who went to fight the emus medals And somebody in the government makes a crack that if we handed out medals in this war, they'd all go to the emus. (laughs) They did eventually resolve this after a long time. They gave the veterans more ammo so the veterans could handle it. The bounty program got ramped up. And surprise, surprise, they figured out, you know, maybe it's just some better fences would handle this. And it did. It handled it well. When you hear people talk about the Great Emu War, it's just three dudes. It wasn't the end of the world, but that is the Great Emu War. There's nothing government can't screw up. Nothing. Sending three army guys without even enough ammunition and a camera crew to document the failure is the most government thing in the history of government things. Just remember this, everybody. It's not unique to America. The people who end up in politics in general are morons. You don't want them in charge of anything. Don't ask for their help. You don't want it. All right. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, 877 377 jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I did a good job last week, Chris. I want to give myself credit the most, what, about getting through as many emails as humanly possible. I got through a lot last week. I'm going to attempt to duplicate that, but I I make no promises. Remember, if you miss any part of the show, you can get the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes right after the show. Chris gets the podcasts up. He actually gets them up right away, shockingly. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. Jesse, my husband is retired. He mocks me about my low salary, which is over 70000 My non-taxable retirement accounts make more than my salary. Should I tell him or not say anything? We've been married for 30 years. Our son is a Navy aircraft carrier veteran. The beard makes you look more handsome. (laughs) All right, I'll address this in a second. Hang on. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show.